I want to continue today talking about the Lordship of Christ. I am I told someone last night, it just seems like the Lord will not uh, release me from this. And uh, so we're going to, to revisit it again today. <clears throat> I, I, I just want you to know, you, you got to hear it, you need to be reminded of it, we often need to be reminded of it, that, that beyond Savior and beyond Redeemer and beyond Rescuer, Jesus must be Lord. He must be. It's non-negotiable. He cannot be just Savior and not Lord. Can I have it both ways? There was a severe depression in the state of Texas, but in one town there was a one-room schoolhouse and there was a need for a teacher. And after a battery, a battery of questions, the school board asked the candidate the make-or-break question. Do you believe the earth is flat or round? The candidate responded, I can teach it both ways. Now, we chuckle at that kind of mentality, but the truth is that there are many professing believers that live that way and are deceived into believing that it's okay. Too many believe in an entry level of salvation without submitting to His Lordship and control. Too many believe that a simple prayer of salvation will be sufficient without a life of transformation and change. Truly godly sorrow works repentance, and that's how you come to the Lord. But the Scripture says if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. And that speaks to transformation and change. You don't live the way that you used to live before you came to the Lord. Just as a brief moment of review, I will remind you of a few things that we shared over the last couple of weeks if He's Lord of your life, He is in charge of every area of your life. If He is Lord in your life, you understand that with His Lordship comes accountability and responsibility. If He is Lord in your life, you accept the sovereignty of God because you know that He knows what is best for you. Last Sunday, we talked about three would-be disciples, three good people. I believe they, they, they had a desire and had intentions to, to follow Jesus, but they had things that kept Jesus from being Lord in their lives. We called the first one the hasty disciple. He was hasty to Jesus' lordship real quick, but he didn't consider the cost of complete surrender. Then we talked about the, the one who was a procrastinator to Jesus' lordship. He had good intentions, but he wanted to wait for a more convenient season. You know, I've got some things I want to do. I've got some boxes I want to check before I completely give myself to the Lord. And let me just stop here and tell you, there'll never be a convenient season for you to sell out to Jesus. 
It's a matter of the will, not a matter of your circumstances. And then finally, we talked about the sentimentalist. He was the one that, concerning the lordship of Christ, he was so tied excessively to the relationships of the world more so than he was his relationship to Christ. This morning, I want to look at some surprised folks. Some surprised folks. If you're in Luke chapter 6, verse 46 and 47, I want, you to, I want you to notice, first of all, it seems like the Lord is surprised. He says, and why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which, which built a house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built a house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Now, I share those verses with you because it seems like in the beginning he asked the question, he, he says, why are you calling me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? And so I, I had to go back and do a little research prior to this, this question that Jesus posed, and I went back to verse 17 of the same chapter, and I want you to hear in that verse that there was a lot that came with the company of his disciples, there was a great multitude of people out of Judea and Jerusalem from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. They came to hear Jesus. They came to be healed of their diseases by Jesus. It says, and they were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for there went virtue out of him, and he healed them all. Now, you don't see it spelled out when you go back to verse 17, but can I tell you, based upon what he said in verse 46, it, it seemed like that hundreds of people were coming to him, crying out and saying, Jehovah, which is Lord in the Hebrew tongue, or they were crying, Master, which is Lord in the Greek tongue. Maybe even in their desperation, some were crying out, Adonai Elohim, which is translated Lord God from all the way back in the book of Genesis. What I'm, what I'm trying to communicate here here is that there was a lot of people in, in Luke chapter 6 that had a lot of needs. They were desperate for miracles in their life. There were circumstances beyond their control, and at the time of their crises, they were willing to call him Lord to receive the miracle and the provision that, that they were facing. They were coming to him saying, Lord, heal my blinded eyes. They were coming to him saying, Lord, raise my dead family member back to life. They were coming to him saying, Lord, unstop my deaf ears. Needs on that day, just like needs on this day. Lord, we need you to meet our financial needs. Lord, I need a job. Lord, I need, a, I need you to heal my marriage. And yet in verse 46, he teaches us something by his surprise tone that is great 
greater than any of the miracles he's just performed. And he does it with a question. He says, and why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In other words, you come to me for miracles and you say the word Lord. You say the word Master. You say the word Jehovah. You say the word Supreme. He said, I understand you're coming to me and you're desperate for me to do something for you. And you even use the word Lord. But why do you call me Lord, but you do not do the things which I say? Somebody stay with me this morning, y'all out there. We're going somewhere. You're coming to me crying out Jehovah. You're coming to me crying out master. You're coming by the masses. And yet I'm surprised that you would call me Lord. He's basically saying, why are you saying words of lordship without a life to back it up? He says, I'm surprised that you would even try uh, to do that. And I, I, this revelation came to me this week. Is that what Jesus knew about the masses is that they were good with words, but they were poor with obedience. And so then he gives them three powerful steps. If you don't hear anything else this preacher says today, get this in your spirit. He gives them three powerful steps to professing and possessing his lordship in their life. And it's found in verse 47. First of all, he says, come to him. Come to him. Come to him. He is the answer. He is the solution. And that's still good for us today. I don't have any other prognosis to give to you. The only answer that there is, is the only answer there has ever been. And that is to come to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. He is your Savior. He wants to be your healer. He wants to be your financial provider. He wants to take care of you. And if you will come to him, the scripture says, he will in no wise cast you out. The first thing he says is just come to me. The second thing he says is listen to him. Listen to him. Don't just come to him, but listen to what he has to say. Can I stop here and tell the church of God at Pulaski and friends and family that are guests of ours today, I've come by to tell you God is still talking to people who are willing to listen to him. All you got to do, you want to hear from God, it doesn't have to be mystical and, and something out in a far uh, atmosphere. All you have to do is open the Bible. If you'll open the Bible every day of your life, life, God will talk to you. He is still talking through his word. He is still talking through his spirit. He is still talking through other people. He is still talking through the gifts of the spirit. He is still talking through preaching, through creation, through circumstances, through a still small voice. He is still speaking to you if you will only listen to him. So you come to him first. And then you say, as I come to you, Lord, I'm not just coming to you, but from this day forward, I'm going to listen to what you have to say. And then the third thing he says is, uh, after you have come to him, is that you simply obey him. When you come to him and you listen to him and you obey him, then you have arrived at him being Lord and having lordship in your life. Are y'all still out there? You come to him, you listen to him, and then you obey him. I don't know how it could get any more simpler than that. You come to him, you listen to him, and you obey him. And when you have done that, then the scripture tells you your 
spiritual house and your heart will withstand any storms that come against you because he has become not just your Savior, but now he is your Lord. Now, so you see the Lord surprised. He said, you're calling me Lord, Lord, but you don't do the things that I tell you to do. And then we look in the Bible and we see the people surprised. The Lord is surprised in Luke chapter 6. But then if you flip back to Matthew chapter 7, you see where the people are surprised. Watch this. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Watch. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Verse 22 says, many will say to me in that day, again, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name have we not cast out devils? And in your name have have we not done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I, I just feel constrained in my spirit to stop here and say, I don't want to be surprised on judgment day. I don't want you to be surprised on judgment day. How do you avoid being surprised on judgment day? Because you better bank up your mind now that he's just not your fire escape policy, but he owns every department of your life. He is Lord and he is master of everything. They were surprised. They were surprised. I mean, reputation is what people think you are, but character is what God knows you are. There's a day coming when a whole host of people are going to be surprised. There's a day coming when people that have been good with their words, but they've been poor with their obedience. And when I, when I looked at that passage of Scripture in Matthew 7, after looking at Luke chapter 6, three spiritual truths just kind of leaped off the pages into my heart. Number one, saying the right words will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. Because they said, Lord, Lord, Christianese is a popular language today. Everyone's saying the right words. I tell you, you ask somebody if they're a Christian, and nine times out of ten, most people say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. Oh, yeah, I'm a believer. The, The right words and the first impressions seem consistent, but deep down, their hearts are not right. See, here they're saying, Lord, Lord, uh, to Jesus, but Jesus himself said, these people draw nigh to me with their lips. But their hearts are far from me. So saying the right words is not going to be enough. I'll take it a step further. I read there that that, uh, doing good works alone will not get me into the kingdom. Doing good works. Good works for good works sake. Good works for my name reputation sake. You see it right here. I mean they were prophesying in this passage. They were prophesying. They were speaking supposedly the words of God. And, And when I read that. It hit me that this tells me that some preachers are not going to make it into heaven. A little sticker shock for y'all. We have a tendency, if we're not careful, to deify people on the platform. But this tells me that people that prophesy, not all of them are going to make it into heaven. They were casting out devils. I thought about that, and I thought, well, there's some crusaders and miracle workers that are not going to make it into heaven. (laughs) I'm going to meddle here a little bit, okay? Just hold on. 
But there's been big names over the 55 years of my life and my, my Christian experience for the last several decades. And I've seen uh, big names with questionable character pop up all the time. And celebrities, Christian celebrities, they've come out of Atlanta and Houston and Colorado Springs and Baton Rouge and Tampa and Charlotte. And I'm not their judge, but I don't mind telling you this. If it is your kingdom and it's not his kingdom and it is your works and it's not works as obedient unto the Lord, that kingdom will eventually be exposed and it will come crashing down. Speaking the right words isn't enough. Doing good works for good works' sake is not enough. And thirdly, he tells us in verse 23, obeying God's will is what will get me into the kingdom. A heart sold out to him. Allegiance, words of allegiance to him, and obedience to the plan that he has for your life. Why? Because truly he has been your Lord. I know this, man, I know this is tough. And you're not going to hear this in every place. And sometimes it gets a little hot in the kitchen and people forsake this kind of preaching. But I've said it the last couple weeks and, and I'm telling you, I believe by the word of God you need to hear it today. But you will not survive as a believer if you do not pursue and sell out to his lordship. Complete surrender. Not selective obedience. Not situational obedience. Thinking, Lord, why do I got to preach this before Thanksgiving? Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. So review. You see in Luke chapter 6, the Lord is surprised. Seems to be surprised. Then you see in Matthew chapter 7, there's some people that are surprised. And the third thing I want to do today is I want to just kind of eliminate the surprise. Is that all right? Can we just eliminate the surprise today? Let's, let's just do away with the surprise factor. Because as a pastor, I watch people go through stuff and my heart breaks for them. And, and let me just clarify. Let me put this out there. Tough things happen for everyone. It rains on the just, the righteous, and the unjust, the unrighteous, alike. And, and the last thing I want to do is come across as judgmental this morning, but one thing after another, one more pink slip, one more unexpected emergency, one more relationship soured as it piles on them. I, I have wondered have they forsaken the lordship of Jesus? Storms will happen in this life, but all you have to do is go to the book of Jonah, and you'll find out that we're capable of creating our own storms. That's exactly what Jonah did. I there's enough going on just being in a sin-filled world. I have enough trials and troubles and tribulations and battles and conflicts, I certainly don't want to create an additional one because of my disobedience. I mean, the worst thing God can say to you is have your own way. And yet, if he's not Lord of your life, you force the removal of his hand of guidance and his hand of provision, and you, you, you leave your life as a mess. I'm convinced a lot of our problems would be, would be settled if we just said, I'm going to obey the Lord, period. 
I'm just going to obey the Lord. I'm just going to obey the Lord. I mean, I, I thought this week, I just, I, I watch people struggle and, and I know that as their shepherd, I know they're struggling because, it, 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 because of their disobedience. I, I know that. I see it. I sense it. And I, I want to reach out. I want to hug them. I want to embrace them. And then there's times I want to take them by the shoulders and say, what's the matter with you? Don't you realize that a lot of the problems you're having, you're creating simply because you won't completely surrender and obey the Lord who has set you free. I'm preaching good here. You're carrying things you wouldn't have to carry. You, you know, you got to make up your mind. You're going to consult Jesus before you go out with that guy. You're going to consult Jesus before you go buy that car. You're going to consult Jesus before you participate in that questionable activity. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We're supposed to talk to him like that. I feel a check in my spirit. Jesus, we need to talk about this. I feel a hesitation. Is that you, Lord? And tell me if it's you, Lord, and if it's you, you know, when I don't know whether to go or to retreat, I just stand still. Because I don't want to do anything out of disobedience to you. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him. If you'll do that, He will direct your paths. That's part of the Lordship. Well, I'll, I'll obey. I obey most of the time. Well, partial obedience is not obedience at all. Partial obedience is disobedience. I mean, think about this. What woman in her right mind would stay at the altar if her husband vowed to be faithful to her 80% of the time? Honey, unless I, I, unless I am tempted, I will remain only unto you. Give me a break. That wasn't deeply theological, I know. But are we not the bride of Christ? In this room, there are professing members of the bride of Christ. Online, there are professing members of the bride of Christ. And you've given that pledge of commitment with your lips, but your heart and your acts, are they in betrayal to the groom? Now, let's pull it in tight here for a few minutes. You said, I, I didn't think it could get no tighter. Yeah, well, we're going to get tighter. Let's talk about Christians and finances. Dennis the Menace cartoon shows young Dennis leaving church. And his mother has a look of horror on her face. And his father has, is red with anger on his face. Why? Because Dennis just looked at the pastor and said, Hey, pastor, what you going to do with that dollar my, gave, my dad gave in the offering today? 
It is spiritual maturity when we realize that God owns it all. It is spiritual maturity when we realize that we are His servants. And it is an honor to return the tithe or the tenth of that that He has blessed us with. It is the Bible. Bring ye the whole tithe into the storehouse, the local church. Prove me now herewith. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you won't have enough room to receive it, and I will additionally rebuke the devourer. Some of y'all looking away. Make eye contact with me here. It's the Word of God. It's the truth of Scripture. It's, it's Lordship. It's an honor. It's an honor when I write my tithe check. It's the first fruit. I don't think about it. I haven't thought about it for years. And I have lived under the canopy of God's abundant blessings constantly in my family. But the flip side of that is, I imagine, he hasn't told me, it's my speculation, but I imagine it's insulting to God that he's given you everything that you have in life and you gripe about having to return 10% to him. Ooh, I heard some groans there. That's tough. But it's lordship. <laughs> John Maxwell taught me this years ago, and I really believe it. I embrace it. That there are clearly two places that you can measure lordship in people's lives. Two places. Very simple. Number one is their calendar. Where are they at on the Lord's Day? And number two is their checkbook. Does the Lord have the first fruits? I came across this story. I thought it was very appropriate. It's about Ivan the Great. He was in the 15th century. He was a mighty warrior. And all he was interested in was winning battles and wars and conflicts, conquering more land. He was so busy, he never took time for family and marriage. And so one day, his closest advisors came to him and said, Ivan, you need to get married so you can have an heir to the throne. He said, okay. His advisors found him a beautiful princess. She was the daughter of the king of Greece. Now, Ivan, if you marry her, you're going to have to become Greek Orthodox. He said, okay, I and my warriors will all be baptized Greek Orthodox. So a big ceremony was planned. The day came for Ivan and all of his 500 warriors to be water baptized. So they got out in the water along with 500 priests, and Ivan and all of his warriors in all of their armament, they were wearing all their armament, they were going to be baptized into the Greek Orthodox Church. But right before they 
were baptized, somebody realized, wait, there's a problem. 500 warriors, 500 priests ready to baptize. Somebody realizes there's a problem. And this was the problem. You cannot be a warrior and be a member of the Greek Orthodox Church. Well, we have a problem here. So right out there in the middle of the body of water, a hasty meeting took place. And they came up with this solution. Right before they were immersed under the water, Ivan and all of his soldiers would lift their swords out of the water and hold it high above the water, and the rest of their bodies would be immersed. It's true. History calls it the unbaptized arm. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? That's odd illustration. But as I was preparing for today, I, I wondered how many unbaptized checkbooks there are in the church, how many unbaptized budgets and estates and wills, how many unbaptized decisions on jobs and unbaptized relationships there are in the body of Christ. You're just up here to get money. No. I've never seen a church as blessed as this church is. And sprinkled across this congregation are a very, very faithful group of stewards. I've told you this before. I'll probably tell you every year. I never announce when I'm going to preach on tithing because some of you might lay out. Because here's the truth. Ten times out of ten times when I preach on tithing, somebody gets mad at me. They do. And 10 times out of 10 times, the people that get mad at me are the people that don't pay tithes. So rather than deal with the conviction of the Holy Spirit, they just get mad at the messenger. I'm not up here trying to raise more money. The church is blessed abundantly. What I am trying to do is get you to a place where you can experience life and life more abundantly in Jesus and be blessed of the Lord beyond measure because you've submitted to every area of lordship that he wants you to give to him. I'm getting ready to quit. But before I do, you're going to hear this. Money is the most intense acid test of his lordship in your life. How do you know that? For he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's the only area, money. It's the only area where God says, prove me or test me. I, I got to share the testimony. Three weeks, he'll walk across the stage and graduate with his bachelor's degree. But as I stood there and I have been exposed to these two little tykes and all the struggles they've gone through with their health, it's, a lot of memories have come rolling back in. And I remember when mine laid there in a NICU for the first month of his life. And I remember going into the chapel and praying and saying, God, you have blessed me abundantly and you've given me this son of promise. He's got four major health issues. 
And today, as much as I appreciate your open hand over our life, I am a tithe payer that believes in the second part of that promise where you would rebuke the devourer. And so I stand on that promise today. And as I stand on that promise today, and I believe that was a turning point, Larry, to this day, no one can convince me otherwise. There was many people praying, but I believe that moment was a turning point in that fellow's health, and he's almost 23 years old and about to graduate college with honors and his degree. And if God can do it then, I believe he'll do it again. I believe he's going to do it for these two little babies. I stand upon the promises of God that he'll send forth his word and it will bring healing. I stand on that. I'm trying to help you. The Holy Spirit is trying to help you when it comes to lordship. The music begins to play softly. I want to tell you something. God owns you today. Wow, that's a strong statement. God owns you because he created you. You know another reason why God owns you? is because he purchased you on the cross through his son. I know I've specifically singled out finances, but it's not just finances. It's every area. All throughout the New Testament, they were saying, Lord, Lord. Until finally he said, why do you call me Lord? But you don't do the things that I ask you to do. He says, if you're going to call me Lord... Make sure that I am Lord. Don't call me by a title that doesn't fit. Because just because you say it here doesn't mean you have it here. I want his lordship. I want his lordship. We're, we're too close. We're too close to the coming of Jesus. We're too close to the coming of Jesus. Man, I, I'd like a fluffy sermon. I want a fluffy sermon. I want to say, Jesus, give me a fluffy sermon to share. He's not giving me fluffy sermons. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. I don't want to be ready because I think I'm ready. I want to be ready because I know I'm ready. And when I know I'm ready, that means that I've not just asked him to forgive me of my sins, but I've asked him to become in control of my life. Nothing is held for myself. Now let's go eat some ham and barbecue. supposed to get a, a Thanksgiving message before Thanksgiving. Okay. Here's your Thanksgiving message before Thanksgiving. I pay tithes because I'm thankful. There you go. There it is. 
Anybody tells you the preacher didn't preach on Thanksgiving today, you, you correct them. Because I'm obedient. Because I want to invest in eternal work. Because I love God. And yes, because I desire His richest blessings in every area of my life. And because I'm thankful. That's why He's Lord. That's why He's Lord. I don't know how people make it without Jesus. I really don't. Some of the craziness going on in this world, I don't know how a person lives a moment without Jesus being their Savior and subsequently their Lord. Stand with me. If you, if you, really, if you really mean it, don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand if you don't mean it. But if, if you really mean it, that, that you want Jesus to be Lord over every area of your life, every area, your marriage, your home, your family, your finances, your thoughts, your job, your education, your relationships with others, your ministry. I mean, the list could go on and on. If you really mean it, I want you to lift both hands to the Lord. And I want you to pray that as your prayer in your own way. Jesus, I want you to be Lord over everything. I'm not holding anything back. Not one thing. I'm giving it. I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving it all to you. Everything I do, you're the reason why I'm inhaling and exhaling right now. You're the reason why I can lift my arms. You're the reason why my heart is beating and my, my liver is purifying and my pancreas is balancing my sugar. You're the reason why. And my ears can hear and my eyes can see. My nose can breathe. My tongue can praise you. You're the reason. As a result of that, Lord, I don't want to hold anything back from you. I want you to have all of my life, all of my soul, all of my spirit, all of my body, my existence. Hmm. I submit to your lordship. Come on, say it out loud. I submit to your lordship. I submit to your lordship today. I submit to your lordship today. Thank you, Lord, for speaking into our heart, for speaking into our spirit, for speaking into our life. Now, Lord, as we get ready to go, for those that will be staying for our ham and barbecue lunch, cake auction for our youth, God bless the food to the nourishment of our bodies. For those that may not be able to stay, have other plans, God bless them as they go from here. May they prosper and be in good health as their soul prospers. In Jesus' name. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord.